And once we get that right, which is for me the most important thing, that they have, first of all, respect. The second one is commitment. The third one, passion. Those three ingredients are non-negotiable. Hello and welcome into the Non-Negotiable Podcast. I'm Gavin and I'm joined tonight by Justin. Hello, Jos. Uh, hey, Gav. Hey, mate. Uh, Pascal couldn't make it tonight. He's training the Navy's best young fighter jet pilots to prepare for a mission to destroy an unsanctioned uranium enrichment plant located in an underground bunker at the end of a canyon before it goes operational. So, Godspeed, Pass. Um, Jos, before we start, um, let's start the way we always start the pre-game pods with the Who Am I game. So this is a player that's appeared for both the Arsenal and West Ham. Who am I? I started my career at Halmstad before moving to Arsenal, for whom I played 216 league games. I then signed for West Ham United, where I played 25 times. After leaving West Ham, I played for Seattle Sounders, Chicago Fire, Celtic, Shimizu S-Pulse, and Mumbai City. Who am I? You got any ideas, Jazz? Yeah, this is an easy one. Okay. All right. Well, we'll come back to it at the end and we'll find out how easy it was. All right, right, so this weekend we go to West Ham. Um, City play Leicester at home on Saturday. Uh, Jazz, it's not a new manager bounce they need, right? It's a manager rocket ship fueled by the plutonium that Dr. Emmett Brown used to fire up the flux capacitor if they're going to have any chance in this one. Uh, Yeah, I'm not feeling so good about it. Um, You know, we've talked about, you know, just constantly expecting city wins. And I just, I can't see this even being a, um, you know, a blip for them. They, you know, uh, Lester's been pretty rough. And um, I don't think the Dean Smith appointment, while I have nothing against him, I don't think that was very, uh, very inspired. Um, No, I I think that, that, you know, there's, we we say it all the time about not expecting them to lose. And I honestly, I I really don't think they're going to lose between now and the end of the season. But if they do, this is not going to be where it is. Yeah, exactly. Um, You know, I mean, I imagine, you know, Leicester, even though they have a new manager, they're still pretty set up to attack. I mean, if they try to play uh, City how they've been playing, I mean, it's probably going to be kind of a massacre. So, um, you know, fingers crossed for a new manager bounce, but yeah, I'm I'm not seeing it. No, I'd be surprised if if this isn't a game that you could call at half time. I mean, I can see Holland playing 45 minutes, scoring three, and then going and, and sitting on the bench. I just I, I don't think there's there's any chance of that. Yeah. So I don't think we really need to talk about that game. Anymore. <laughs> uh, so um, West Ham they had a tough game tonight away at Ghent in the. Europa Conference League, they drew 1-1, which leaves a tie nicely balanced. They got the home game on Thursday. Um, they did leave out quite a few starters. The cat abuser and all-round cunt Kurt Zuma was on the bench. <laughs> the Keta was on the bench. Keira was on the bench. Ben Rama, Fabianski. Um, and what I didn't realise when I was talking to Paz last week and we were, we were saying about they might, you know, kind of use this game as a free hit, they can't. They've got a ridiculously tough run, and I didn't realise how bad it was. After us, they've still got to play City, they've still got to play Man U, they've still got to play Liverpool. They've they've got a super tough running, and then yeah. on the final day, they've they've got Leicester. That could be a, an absolute <laughs> peach of a game, but um, they've got a goal out for it, Jazz. Yeah, they do. They do. Um, I still feel pretty good about our chances here. Um, I think it'll be. 
not an easy win because there very rarely is one of those. But uh, I just I feel comfortable. I think our uh, we match up well, and uh, we've got everybody fit shy of Saliba, right? So, um, so yeah, I don't I don't think it'll be too challenging. Uh, your thoughts? Yeah, I think that. I mean, it, it, we've got a good record against them. We usually do pretty well there. We do have a habit of making Antonio look like prime fat Ronaldo, which quite worries me. Um, and Presswell's an animal. I mean, let's be fair, he, he shouldn't even be on a football pitch. So I, I, I am a little concerned of what he might try and try and do to Martinelli. Um, if he starts, obviously, Emerson played almost the entire game tonight, so... I'm assuming Cresswell started the weekend and, and, you know, he just loves to try and kick the shit out of our players. So I'm a little bit, a little bit concerned about that. But beyond that, I, I don't think there's a lot to be concerned about. It's, it's straightforward. Um, Fabianski hasn't been in the greatest form, but, you know, every player likes playing against their former club. We've got the, the Declan Rice, the Declan Rice scenario where it's probably the team he wants to join. But overall, I'm confident. I'm confident we're going to. Uh, I'm confident we're going to brush Vanfield. I mean, we've had eight days, and it's always sluggish, isn't it? After that European game, even even though you get till the Sunday. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we know all too well uh, what it's like to play the weekend after a Europa League tie. Um, even if we rested half the team, you know, it still just seems like we're slow to get going, or we were. Um, I don't know how much you looked into the West Ham Ghent game either. Um, I didn't see it, but I mean. Statistically, they were uh, they were outplayed twenty to four on shots, four to two shots on target. They were outpossessed. Um, so yeah, I'd say uh, Ghent had the uh, the better game there as well. Ran them ragged a little bit. I actually I actually didn't realize that. I saw that they went one up, and I saw that uh, I saw that Ghent leveled, but I, I I didn't realize that that Ghent had kind of run them around a little bit. I mean, you know, like I said, only, they only had half a team out there, and and they've. They're at home next Thursday. I think they would expect to go through with that. But they do their game next weekend, Bournemouth away, should be more important to them than this one. But I just I don't know. Yeah. I don't think you can I don't think they can possibly look past this game and just, you know, just look at this a free hit. They're in too much trouble and they're running too hard to throw any points away. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Because if we play anywhere near our best, it really doesn't matter what they do, does it? It really doesn't, no. And I know they have a they have a couple injuries as well. Nothing, nobody huge, but I know Skamaka's out. Um, and then there was another one that's escaping me. But um, you know, so regard. I mean, I imagine Skamaka would have played some role tonight, which means that Ings or uh, uh, Antonio, you know, got more minutes than they would have probably planned. Uh, but yeah, to your point, no, it, it doesn't really matter. I don't think. No, I I don't either, and you know, and they. They've had a poor season. They've had some poor results recently, mixed in with some weirdly good ones. I mean, they smashed Nottingham Forest. There's nothing really to be gained there, but they had a good away win at Fulham last week. But in between, they've been smashed 4-0 by Brighton and 5-1 at home by Newcastle. So yeah. we know they can be got at. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, they, they've had, yeah, like you said, they're down. I mean, you know, they, they've been uh, decently strong the past season or two, and uh, it, it just kind of the legs went out from under them this season, I think. And I know there's even some question marks over, over you know, Moyes and whether he's going to stay. Uh, but they're they're definitely there for the for the taking for us. Yeah, for sure. These are the games that you've, you've got to win. I mean, we've got eight left now. 
Um, we need seven wins. And, and honestly, I think we're capable of getting the, the seven wins from eight. I, I, I think we can do it. I'm not saying we will do it, but I do think we're capable of it. I look at these games and I know a lot of people are going, oh, well, you know, there's there's Brighton to come, there's Newcastle to come. I, I really think that we, we're going to go into every one of them games except the Etihad had favoured. And this weekend is, is no exception. Yeah, yeah, definitely. This is not one we should be uh, we should be considering dropping in at all. And yeah, like you said, we'll be favorites in in all of them except for the city tie. So uh, the the Newcastle game has me a little worried just because uh, it's going we're going to St James, right? Yeah, and they've they've moved it um, they've moved it a little bit again. It's the second time they moved it. First time they moved it was for TV, and the second time they moved it was because. Apparently, the police force of London can't handle a football match being played on a Tuesday night. So, um, make of that what you will. Uh, yeah, well done, Met Police. So, anyway, they've they've changed the date of it again. It, it's kind of falls now in between the Man City and the Chelsea game, rather than being butted up closer to the to the Man City game. But you know, I, I I'm honestly I'm not I'm just not that worried about it. I'll be worried about it when we get to it. But let's be fair, that's after the. That's after the Man City game. Yeah. So there's we've kind of there's a clear defining line now in this running. And and we've said it the whole way through. You know, we've been looking in these, looking at these fixtures in terms of blocks. Um, and there is a very, very clear defining line now. We have got West Ham on Sunday, we have Southampton at home the following week, and then we've got Man City. And that is as far ahead as anyone can look. I mean, I know it's one game at a time. I don't really believe it's one game at a time because we're all looking at that City game. But that's the way it is, right? Yeah, but I mean, you know, with knowing that this game against West Ham and the game against Southampton, I think are absolutely crucial. Has to be three points. We can't afford to slip up. I think uh, from a psychological standpoint, we'll have played two more games than City, I believe, by the time our game rolls around. So if if we can even just have that psychological gap at the top, um, you know, I, I at this point, Gav, I'm taking pretty much any edge I can get. You know, um, I agree with you. Though I think it's I think it's important if we go into that game at the Etihad, they're going to have two games in hand. But if we go in there nine points ahead, yeah, and that's a big gap. That is a big yeah. gap, even for them, even for a side that you think are going to win every week. That is a big, big gap with five games to go. Yep. Yeah, so I think we've gotta we've gotta get there. Um so I think these next two are are gonna be absolutely crucial. And yeah, you're right. We have kind of a, a BC uh before city and after city uh yeah, time. And then and then we'll have to see what, what happens then. Because if we win these two, go to City and get a draw, everything changes, right? There's 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 just there's there's roses all over the garden. So you know, it just it, it's going to depend, but these these are two must win games. So let's focus on this one first. Right. Starting lineup wise, um, we're not expecting Saliba back, right? Uh, no, I don't think so. No, um, I don't think he's trained at all. I mean, I know Mikel's an expert in keeping the training photos secret, but I mean, I I think we would we would probably have known if he was if he was back. Eddie's back. Eddie will be on the bench. I fully expect Reese Nelson to drop off the bench. Um, so I think, you know, I, I, at this point, I think any hopes of a new deal for him are probably going to be ended by the fact that he's probably not even going to make the bench for the rest of the season, um, because someone's got to miss out there and it's, you know, 
it, it, let's be fair, it's not going to be ESR, I wouldn't have thought. It's not going to be whichever one of Trossard or Martinelli miss out. It's not going to be Fabio Vieira. It's not going to be Jorginho. It's not going to be Kivio. It's not going to be Tierney. And we need a goalkeeper. So, it, you know, it's going to be Reese that misses out. Yeah. I know that Ben White and Zinchenko didn't train with the team on Monday, I believe. But I think that was more uh, a warm-down scenario rather than yeah. anything else, it seems to be. I, I, I expect both of them to play. Uh, and as usual, we have the time old question, Jazz. Is it Martinelli or is it Trossard? <laughs> yeah, um, I think uh, either way, you know, I I, uh, I I wouldn't push one either way. I think Martinelli, though, he worked, you know, his socks off against Liverpool and, and looked, you know, just destroyed at the end of that game. That was so eight I, days ago, though. I, you know, that's true. Yeah. I, I don't think that there's any reason not to roll out that same team that we rolled out at Anfield. Um, and, and again, yeah. you know, you've got to feel a bit sorry for Trossard because he's done nothing wrong, but neither is Martinelli. Whoever misses out, you're going to feel a bit a bit sorry for missing out. But I think we just roll out that same team that started at Anfield and say, go do it again. Yeah, and I think um, uh, a big reason for starting Martinelli again is that if, I don't, I don't know about Jesus's fitness now, but if he can't go 90, you know, well, and, and Keddy is back too. So I imagine we'll see him at some point in the game, even if he just gets a run out. Um, but you would expect, you know, Trossard to be one of the first subs off the bench anyways. So yeah, any- I think that's going to be game state dependent, whether we see yeah. Eddie or not. Um, Trossard, we're going to see, no yeah. doubt about it. We will. Who it's for. I mean, you would expect by this point, Jesus to be at the point where he can do 90. Now, whether they want him to do 90 is another matter, but I would imagine he can do 90. And I I think this depends on the, on the game state. If we're, if we're needing a goal, I don't expect to see Nketiah. I have to be honest with you. I I really don't. I think Trossard will, will come off the bench, but if it's, if it's tight, I don't expect to see Nketiah. Um, If we are running away with it somewhat, then I think we'll, we'll see Nketiah. Yeah, I mean that's a good point. He's been out for for a decent bit now too. So, um, you know, it's it's nothing against Enkedia. You know, I just think he's uh, he. I think he just needs kind of a, a light run out for his uh, his first appearance back. So, um, well, Mikel's cautious for bringing people back, right? We've seen it yeah. with Martinelli. We saw it to an extent with with Jesus as well. Um, with with it's yeah. So <laughs> at, at times it's. You know, he is definitely he is definitely cautious bringing people back in the team, and I think it will be the same with with Eddie. Um, and and quite honestly, I think there's a quite clear hierarchy now up top, and I don't think Eddie is. You know, in the same way, I say to you, like, like it's easy to forget that Reese has played a part in four league games this season. Four, he's come off the bench three times and started once. That's it. So. You know, that's a that's a pretty clear indication that he isn't really part of the group. And with with Eddie, now Trossard is there. We need to see what that hierarchy looks like. Personally, I think Eddie has now dropped down another peg because I think Trossard is probably the cover for Jesus, not not Eddie. What do you think about that? I, I agree. Yeah, I think, um, again, you know, nothing against Eddie, but I just think the, the team plays quite a bit better with... Uh, the style of, of forward that Trossard and Jesus, who I think are a little more similar than Jesus and Enkedia, for instance. Um, yeah, I mean, Enkedia is, a, Enkedia is a, a real striker, right? Yeah. That's what he is. Whereas Jesus is a forward. 
and Crossard is a wing forward. So there's probably, if you had a little Venn diagram going on, there's <laughs> more crossover between Trossard and, and Jesus than there is between Eddie and, and either one of them. And I, I think there's a time and a place for Eddie. I'm not sure it's now. Yeah, I agree completely. And Trossard's done a better job at like bringing bringing people in. I mean, think about it. You know, people were ready to uh, to sit Martinelli for a little while. I was basically there uh, when he was going through that dip in form when when Enkedia was starting. And it's like since Trossard's come back or since Trossard came in for him, uh, you know, Martinelli's lit back up again. Now it's even better with Jesus back. Yeah, that relationship between Martinelli and and Jesus, they're, they're they're so symbiotic on the pitch. The way they the way they move between each other's positions, and you know, it's kind of similar to what we have on the right with Odegaard and Saka. It's yeah. the same on the left, and and the way that they the way that they work together, they they are more interchangeable. Whereas Odegaard and Saka work together, but they've got defined roles. Yeah. Martinelli and Jesus on the left have much less defined roles. Jesus is just as likely to be driving into the box with a ball at his feet from the left touchline and Martinelli in the centre as the other way around. Yeah. Yeah, the fluidity is is uh, is great. Um, and I think, uh, you know, uh, Martinelli's effectiveness with Jesus out there is just, I mean, it's night and day too, you know. So I think that's always going to be a factor to consider, you know, when picking lineups, when making subs, anything like that. Yeah. When Jesus gives us this, Having Jesus up top gives us this unpredictability that, that Trossard brings a little bit of. But he brings us this unpredictability that, that you just don't get with Nketiah. When Nketiah's there, everybody's positions are pretty static, right? So yeah. the two wide players tend to stay wide because Eddie operates within penalty box. Right. So they tend to stay wide. When Jesus is, is up there, it's the same with Trossard. There's a lot more movement, a lot more interchange, and you can be a lot narrower. Because the man in the middle is coming out and he's dropping deeper and he's dragging people out of positions and it, it adds a chaos and it adds an unpredictability that just isn't there with Eddie and, and that's not that's not Eddie's fault. It's just the way we are and the teams we play against. You need that chaos because teams tend to dig in with two banks of four and you know and, and or, or even a bank of four and a bank of five and just protect the box and you need something like what Jesus brings, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's it, really, isn't it? Um, like you said, there's a time and a place for for Eddie, and um, you know, it, I think he's going to find minutes hard to come by for the the rest of the season, just because of how much we need that chaos and how you know he just he can't really provide it, even though he's a you know a good finisher. I agree, and that's one of the reasons I feel <laughs> like maybe in the summer we need to look for a different uh, option up top alongside Jesus and Trossard, but we'll, we'll come on to that. We'll come on to that later on. Cause there's some other things around that, that we, that we need to discuss. Smith Rowe. I have been, I've not been surprised by how little we've seen of him because I said to you a few weeks ago that I, I just didn't see where his minutes were coming from. Um, but it is a thing now, right? He's just not coming on. Yeah, yeah, it seems to be a thing now. Um and I'm I'm I am pretty surprised. Uh but if you notice Vieira's not hasn't played as much either either. I think um I'm just talking, you know, just going back two, three games now, but 
uh, Vieira doesn't seem to be playing as much either. So I wonder if it's just uh, a smaller pool, or I guess game state really is what's affected the substitutions the most. Um, well, you know, I'm wondering as well. We were pretty critical of Arteta's subs right last week, and right. we've been critical of his subs in the past. But he has at least started to bring players on earlier and more often. But the last couple of weeks, that seems to have stopped. Certainly at Liverpool, that stopped. And maybe it's just because of what the game was. But the first sub was on, what, 78 minutes? And he only used three of five? Where as it tightens up, I do wonder if he's maybe going to tighten up a little bit as well and go back within himself to what I think is his natural proclivity, which is to not use subs unless he has to. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And, you know, now we're, you know, out of all competitions except for the Prem, you know, we're not playing that often. I think uh, if he can get away with it, you know, I mean, like we talk about when we do the lineups, you know, we'll see Trossard every game probably. Um, you know, there'll be a couple subs that we see every time, but yeah, I, I doubt he makes five subs too much often, uh, for the rest of the season. And there's a chance that as this tightens up, I mean, we've, you know, we've been here before with these, with these title races and stuff, and it it was a long time ago now, but the games tend to get a little bit, I'm not going to say less predictable, but they tend to get a little bit more difficult, right? The game (laughs) a game that's played when you're chasing a title in the middle of April is more difficult than the game that you play in the middle of November, just because everything tightens up. And in turn, that means where the game's tighter, there's less chances to make them subs. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I think just, uh, you know, even just factoring in like the mentality aspect of it, you know, uh, everything is like tighter. Everything has more pressure. Everything is, you know, means more, um, so, yeah, I think there's definitely going to be, uh, let's see, like a hesitancy to change things too much in game even. And I'm not that disappointed about that because I actually think the changes that he made at Liverpool absolutely destabilised us. And I think had he not have made those changes, had we have tried to see the game out with what we had, I think there's a lot more chance that we could do it. If you watch that again, you know, I said to you there was there was no action really between the penalty and uh, and when Nunes going through, well, you'll notice the chances started to come immediately as those substitutions were made. Yeah, um, I mean, I still hold to our biggest mistake in that game being that um, we did like a system change, switch into the three at the back. And uh, yeah, I think if we'd have just went with our 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 normal way of playing, he still could have made some of those subs, but. Uh, throwing an extra center back in there, I think just really destabilized us. Yeah. It was the wrong subs. That's what it comes down to. You're right. The extra center back didn't, didn't work. I don't think taking off Jesus was the, was the right move regardless of tiredness. I would, I understand if you want to bring Trossard on personally, I would have taken Martinelli off at that point who had 80 minutes of constant movement. There were other subs he, he could have made if he wanted to take Granite off, who was on a who was on a booking. I, I, personally, I wouldn't, but I, I would have understood it had he have had he have done that. But the subs he made were the wrong ones. But I just I do wonder. Do you remember at Brighton when we were cruising, he made them subs, and all of a sudden we shipped two goals in like ten minutes. Yeah, yeah I remember. For, for the next six weeks, he hardly made a sub. And I do wonder if post Liverpool, 
he, he he's a manager that tends to learn from his mistakes. You you have to give him that. He's made mistakes. He's a, he's a rookie coach. Of course, he's made mistakes, but he has seemed to learn from them when he's made them. And I I do think last Sunday is a is a is a teachable moment. Yeah, I think um, you know his hands were a little tied, but the injury too. I think we've seen him bring holding on to close out games and. Um, and do a, you know, a, a really good job holding basically sets up shop. You know, we don't give them much of anything, the other team. I mean. Um, well, Tommy Asu being out as well, I, I wonder, right. you know, he had a lot of criticism for making the Tierney sub too late. Mm-hmm. And I do wonder if that sub would have been made earlier, if rather than being Tierney coming on, it was Tommy Asu coming on. I wonder if on 75 minutes, Tommy Asu would have come on for Zinchenko rather than 80 minutes. Well, you know, I think this is a game we might have seen El Nenny too if he was fit. Um, cause, instead of Kivior? Yeah, instead of Kivior, yeah. I mean, that was a sub uh, Arteta liked to use too, um, you know, just to close things out. And I think as far as like his mobility and stuff like that versus Jorginho, I think it would have been more handy. I'm not saying I'd call for El Nenny, I just, I wouldn't have been surprised. I'm also starting to get a little bit pissed off with Erdegaard coming off with 10 minutes to go every week. I, I just don't see it's necessary. He doesn't look like he's flagging out there. I, I don't I don't really understand it. I don't get the point of it. Are, 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 am I missing something? Are you seeing something that I'm not? I'm not, no. I mean, I guess I, I've seen it. I've noticed he comes off pretty much every game. I just kind of assumed, you know, he's trying to save the legs or something, but yeah, you're right. I, I don't really ever notice, you know, Odegaard looking dead out there. Um, so yeah, it is kind of a weird one. Cause it's not like he, he, he just floats around, you know, he contributes heavily to the press, you know, he's solid defensively for, you know, an attacking midfielder. And um, he's so secure on the ball. Yeah. I, I think taking him off at the weekend was, it was a huge, and I don't want to go and redo the game games. We've already done it, but because of the ball security that he gives you when you're moving out, I, I just I don't know I don't I don't get that sub. So we'll see on we'll see on Sunday. I mean, like I said, it's going to be a lot on game state how the subs are going to go on yeah. Sunday. I think if we can if we can get clear, then then maybe we'll see some we'll see some earlier subs. But I don't know. I'm not I'm not expecting many. Um, so in terms of how the game is going to go, is the big thing just going to be getting our wide players involved in the game yeah um you know that's obviously where uh where we've been the most threatening and i'll be i'll be curious to see um west ham they've 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 kind of floated back and forth between a three and a four at the back uh so I think depending on what they do there will be, you know, where we prioritize our weapons. But, you know, of course, Saka and Martinelli are, are going to be heavily involved in it. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think that's the that's the area where we can really, we really cause damage to people. Um, I think it's going to be the same. I don't think there's going to be any difference there. Seeing, seeing Jesus back, it's, you know, we, we like to watch it, switch it out and, and go direct every now and again. I'm not sure West Ham are a big side. I'm not sure that's going to be an option, right? Yeah, no, probably not. I see um I see Jesus dropping a little deeper and trying to spring the uh the the wide forwards more than anything. Um you know, Saka's got that that uh, you know, create something from nothing ability on the uh, on the right and Martinelli's got the speed to get in behind. So, I think we'll be plenty dangerous there. 
And uh, even if Jesus has to get involved, you know, he's technical enough to uh, get some shots off still. But yeah, I, I hope we're not planning to cross much because I uh, don't think we're going to have much luck there. No, no I, I don't either. And, you know, and they're, they're a good team from set pieces as well. I, I, I'm i not sure they've been quite as good this year as last year because they haven't been as good at, at anything this year as last year. But they're still a dangerous side from set pieces. That Suchek, he's a bit like Frankenstein's monster. Like, he's completely fucking useless. But you put the ball <laughs> up in the air and he, he just comes to life. Um, yeah. And I think this midfield is is going to be a battle in the middle of the park. I think Xhaka is going to be incredibly important to this because in Rice and Susek, they've got two players that um, that really like to mix it up in there. And mm-hmm. I think I think Xhaka and Partey are going to have to earn Erdegaard the right to play. Yeah, the midfield battle is going to be an interesting one. And I'm, uh, I mean, just you know. Frankly, I'm looking really forward to just watching Rice too. I think uh, just watching him kind of do his thing in midfield is is nice. Uh, even though he tends to be like their most defensive, uh, you know, he's capable of just getting the ball and going on, you know, a powerful run through the middle too. So, um, so yeah, it'll it'll be one to watch. The midfield battle should uh, should determine a lot. But they've got some some um, some threat on the wings too with Bowen and and whoever plays, you know, Lanzini. Or... It'll be Ben Rama. It'll be Ben Rama. Oh yeah, Ben Rama. Yep. He's yeah, ben, Rama's, ben Rama's their top scorer this year. You know how many goals he's got? No. Four. Wow, really? I yeah. didn't, didn't realize it was that bad. Yeah, yeah, he's got four. He's their top goal scorer. But there's, yeah, I mean, Bowen, you you know, we had it last year there, didn't we, when, when Ramsdale come out and maybe took him out a little bit on the break. He's, they've, got, they've got pace out wide. And I expect that it's going to be Antonio up top, I would mm-hmm. imagine. Um, Danny Ings started and, and scored tonight. Danny Ings is 107. Um, he's also very injury prone and he looks like the man who's come to fix your gas line. Um, so I yeah. I don't expect Danny Ings to start. I think it will be Antonio. And like I said before, we just have this ability to make Antonio look like one of the best players in the Premier League when really he's just Marlon Herwood recreated. Yeah, it's one to, uh, you know, to to keep an eye on just, you know, historically. But like I said, I, I feel pretty good about it. And, um, you know, I, I, this this should be one, too, where we don't miss Saliba much. In fact, this could be a pretty solid game for holding as long as he can, you know, uh, protect the box more, uh, keep stuff out of the air. I'm not worried about it from that point of view. But mm-hmm. um, the only thing that bothers me about it, I think what we're seeing on that right-hand side is similar to what we saw on the left-hand side when Jesus was out, right? And I think it's going a little bit unnoticed because Saliba's a centre-back and not a centre-forward. So I think it's going unnoticed how much we're missing him going forward. But I think Ben White is having to be a little bit more a little bit more reserved going forward because obviously Saliba's not there, it's, it's holding. So I don't think he's venturing as far forward, which he is stopping the link-up. Holding obviously isn't Saliba when it comes to calmness on the ball. So I don't think we break as quickly when the ball's coming towards holding. You'll see a lot of the time the ball will be coming towards Saliba and before he's even brought it down, the right-hand side has already started to go. You don't see that with holding because the trust isn't there. And then you've got the break in the lines with a passing, which holding holding has done very well, but he's still not Saliba with a break in the passing. And I think, I think Odegaard especially is suffering because I don't think he's getting the ball as quickly and I don't think he's getting the ball at the right angles. And it's stuff that you don't notice until you really look for it. Do you know what I mean? 
Yeah, I agree completely. I think we're missing Saliba much more on like the attacking side of the ball than the defensive side. Um, you know, holding's been admirable, but you know, I mean, you just mentioned it. There's so many like little things. Well, they're not little really, but so many things that Saliba does um, faster, more confidently that, uh, you know, everything's just taking a little bit longer or maybe not being played to the right foot or, you know, stuff that Saliba was so good at. Um, yeah, it was no coincidence that Martinelli's form took a dip when Jesus went out. And it's right. no coincidence that Saka and Erdegaard have taken a little dip with Saliba being out. We've got a side, we've said this before, we've got a side that is fantastic when everybody's there. But I do worry about how easy it's unsettled when one player comes out. And, you know, we, we've sat here and, and debated all season about, well, this is our most important player, that's it, most important player. The fact is, when any one of these players come out, the machine doesn't work as well, be it Partey in front of the back line. Well, that's our most important player. Yeah, but then you got Zinchenko at left back and look at the control we lose. So that's our most important player. Then you saw with Jesus being out how much it affected the attack. So that's our most important player. Do you know what I mean? There's this every cog in this team is important because of how we play. Um, and we make so few changes to this team. And I think that's going to continue because of that. Yeah, it really is crazy how um, it seems every player has like a very specific, defined, important role to play. Um, but I mean, that's kind of the nature of it, isn't it? That's why you have uh, squad depth. They're, the the players that come in for these people, they're obviously not going to be as good. But the whole point is just to, um, you know, still get results, even if you drop off a little bit. So well, you, not- you need luck to win titles, too. Do you know what I mean? Like the year Liverpool won it. I mean, people want to talk about Man City having an off-season, which they're not. But you want to know when they did have an off-season? The season Liverpool won it. They got 81 points. We'd be three weeks away from winning the league if they did that. Yeah, there's definitely an element of luck to it, for sure. But but I'm just saying, you know, it's uh, you can't expect some of these guys to, um, you know, fill in as good as the starters. You know, that's... You can't that's expect any happen. of them to do it. That's why they're not starters. Exactly, you know. So, and, and, you know, and this is my thing about buying squad players makes you worse. You know, my whole thing that I've always said, you buy players for the first team and the first team become the squad players. I think the interesting bit now is we've reached a level where it's very, very hard to buy a player that's going to go straight into this, straight into this team. So, I mean, overall for the weekend, I think, um, you know, we already said Man City are going to win, no doubt about it, but I'm, I'm confident we'll, we'll keep up our end of the bargain. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Um, I don't I don't feel too bad about it. And I'm, you know, already looking ahead to City, even if I shouldn't be, you know. Yeah, and I can't wait for this either, because I think after you get a draw, which, I mean, really, it's a good result, <laughs> you know, that draw that we got. Yeah. But when you've, when you've been two up, it doesn't quite feel like a result. And I can't wait just to get the next three points on the board, because you post them three points, everyone's going to feel so much better about this and so much more optimistic about the running. And all this that we've we've listened to from this week about Arsenal are going to bottle this, look at this. I mean, that all goes away. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I think just, you know, there, there'll be a, um, uh, a, a de-stressing moment to get the three points on the board and, and uh, you know, the Liverpool game will be in the past at that point, so... Yeah, I, I just I do want to get this out of the way, get the three points and just look ahead. You know, I'm I'm to the point where as much as I'm trying to enjoy the season, I'm also just like, you know, uh, OK, let's let's get to the next one. Let's get to the next one, too. It's a, a, a bit of uh, 
anxiety, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know what? It's funny because I'm not feeling like that. I'm just, I'm just desperate for game day. Like I, I just, I love game day so much at the minute. I'm just desperate to get to to get to game day. I've been desperate to get to Sunday since the final whistle went at, at Liverpool. I don't, I don't want to get past Sunday. I want to get to it. Yeah, I mean that that's nice. You've you've seen more titles than I have, though. Um... <laughs> that's that's true. <laughs> that's true. All right, mate. Well, let's leave the first half there, and we'll come back in the second half. There's a lot of uh, a lot of other stuff to uh, be getting on with. So uh, we'll see you all after the break. Hey guys, just a couple of quick halftime announcements. We would really appreciate it if you could leave us a five star review on your favorite podcast app. It really helps us reach a wider audience, and we thank you for your support. Also, don't forget to check out our socials. We are the NN Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We try and put out some cool content, so give us a like or a follow and help us build our Guna community. Welcome back to the Non-Negotiable Podcast. This is part two. Um, Got some different stuff to get on to. Let's let's rehash one more incident from uh, from the Liverpool game, Juz. Um Andy Robertson grabbing the linesman and popping an elbow, a little elbow to the face. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, but in the last couple of hours, the FA have uh, have said that the or it might have been PGM or I don't know who it was, but they've cleared the linesman of any any wrongdoing. Um, he's fine to carry on with his job. Uh, any reaction to that? Um, I mean, I think. I think that's good. I, I, I did see the incident. I didn't really think there was much in it. I mean, if anything, you know, I thought Robertson was, um, you know, he looked angry. He was, he was grabbing at him and stuff like that. I thought it was pretty, uh, pretty harsh on the linesman to suspend him. Um, you know, I'm, I'm never on any referee's side, but, uh, yeah, I just thought the whole thing was a bit overblown. So what do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, uh, Robertson. And I still don't get it. Like with the home cooking that they got from that ref in that first half, I don't get why he went up to the linesman and grabbed his arm. I just, I don't see what it could possibly be about. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's the that's the, that's the the right outcome. He, he grabbed the linesman, linesman's pulled his arm away and he's, he's caught him in the face. He's pulled him. I mean, we've all, we've all done it. You've all been on a night out or something and someone's grabbed you and you've pulled your arm away and you've caught him in the face. Yeah, you, yeah. you don't mean it. It just, it, it happens. So, yeah, I think that's... Uh, I think that's the right thing to do. Um, let's uh quick chat on the kit leaks. Um, we've seen we had the the home kit leaked a little while ago that I think you were you were quite a big fan of, right? I I, I actually don't mind it too much. I've, I I'm someone who doesn't ever like these things when they're released, and then it takes me a while to warm up to them. I think the the big one was the that uh the yellow one just that you've that you've got the uh one that you wore that night when when we went to the inter miami game and i didn't like it until i saw it and then it was uh the the color really grew on me um so the home one i think it's it's okay what's your what's your thoughts on what's your thoughts on the home one again uh i don't i don't love the home one to be honest um it's uh i mean the 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 gold looks nice um mm-hmm. but yeah i don't I just like the red sleeves, you know, when it starts like, you know, coming over too much or anything like that, it, I, I don't, I don't really care for it. It'll look real nice with the Premier League patch though, I think. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's fine. I don't, I don't think there's anything spectacular about it. I don't mean, there's anything yeah. terrible about it. Um, the away one. <laughs> if this kit is true and it is that 
yellow with what looks to be black weird lines on it. Um, this is a contender for the worst kit we've ever had, right? It looks well, almost it, like a terrible Dortmund kit. It, it's it's weird that, um, you know, it's it's kind of going with the bruised banana pattern again, right? And it's so weird that they're... It kind of is, but it's kind of not. It's it's strange one. Yeah, it is definitely a strange one. Um, but I yeah, I just assumed they were kind of trying to do a, a bruised banana type thing again. Um, and it's just weird they're doing that, you know, what, twice in uh, th- like three seasons, you know, that just seems a little uh, excessive. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that <laughs> I'm hoping that they've got that one wrong, um, although everything seems to point to they haven't got it wrong. But oh, it's a it's an wait, awful looking kit. Is that the one the uh, it's it's like yellow with with black stripes? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking at it right now. I that is not the last leak I saw. Oh, that's not the one you saw. Oh, no, yeah, I I don't like this at all. Yeah, it's, and I it's awful. It's an yeah. awful looking kit. It's it's not the one with the with the chevrons on it. It's, no. it's the one with the stripes and yeah, it looks it looks terrible. Yeah, and then the uh, the font and stuff is like in a, a lighter blue, which I don't I don't get at all. Yeah, it's a rough kit. Yeah, it 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 definitely isn't a it definitely isn't a nice looking kit. So uh, the third kit. The green. Now, this is a funny one. This is a hark back to 82, 83, 84. It's before, before my time. I didn't really start going till my first game was in 84, but I don't remember anything about it. I was five years old. I didn't really start going until like 88. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a hark back to that green kit. I actually, I kind of like it, but there's nothing about it that looks Arsenal. I would say that's pretty much my opinion on it too. Um it's it's fine. The colors are nice and everything, but yeah, I just I don't get anything Arsenal about it. And it's um it's still like different enough from the the uh, the one it's referenced on that I could even you know uh, uh like look past that. You know what I mean? Not even recognize that. So it actually looks closer to some of John Lukic's goalkeeper shirts than mm. than that. It's a, it's a it's a strange one. But I, like I said, I actually I don't I don't mind it. But there's nothing about it that that says Arsenal to me. I, I, I don't I don't know that I would buy it just because I, I just I don't know. Like I said, it, it just there's no Arsenal to that kit. Well, one thing I do like about it is they're continuing the trend of uh, of just adding the cannon, and uh, that always gives uh, a few points to any kit they do that on. I think it looks really clean with just the cannon. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. You'll get no arguments with me from that. And and to be honest, we I mean we might wear the third kit a bit more next year with with some European games, but we don't wear them very often. I mean that pink kit. How many times did we wear that pink kit? Like three times. I don't even think it's been that many. And I really like the pink kit too. But yeah, we've barely worn it. Worn it. Excuse me. Yeah, we we really you you don't really wear these third kits very often. I mean, obviously we know why they do them. It's a it's a money spinner for Adidas, but. It's yeah, the third kits. I don't know. You you don't wear them often enough to really get that bothered one way or another. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, but yeah, you're probably right. I imagine we will see it at least a few more times if we uh, have like a deep Champions League run or something like that. And it's it's you know uh, like a tealish green color, so I don't think it's going to uh, uh, you know clash with too many other kits where that yellow one won't either though. So. <laughs> well, unless we get Dortmund. Yeah, except unless we get Dortmund, yep. 
Well, maybe Fenerbahce, I think they've got one similar to that. <laughs> so do you think, so we've had this trend in the last few years um, where we've worn the next season's home shirt on the last day of the season. I, I don't know when that trend started. Personally, I don't like it. Um, I don't like this blur in the lines between seasons. I'm getting old now. I have enough trouble remembering what year it is anyway. Um, but but do you think that there's a chance that that continues again? And if it is, like, like it could be quite a big game to be to be wearing a different kit for. Uh, yeah, that'll be that'll be interesting. I do think it'll continue because I don't have the dates in front of me, but I feel like it's something we've done since signing the Adidas deal. But I I could be wrong about that. Just, just trying to think back. But yeah, how uh, how crazy would it be? Let's say the the title comes down to you know the last game of the season or whatever, and we're wearing that next season's kit. I can't imagine that's going to be... Um... I mean, that's it's great marketing for Adidas, though, because <laughs> if you think about it, it's like once this season's done, we, it used to be... So when when I was growing up in kind of in the 90s, the deal was always you wore a kit for two years and then you changed it, right? So mm-hmm. Arsenal would alternate. One year they'd change the home shirt, the next year they'd change the away shirt. Obviously, that's all out the window now and everyone has three brand new kits yep. every year. Um, but you know, so now because of that, once the last that final whistle goes of that last game, that kit's dead. It's never going to be worn again. Right. Whereas now, if we do, if we do manage to do something special this year, and all the pictures are of that of next year's kit, that's that's a bonus for Adidas. Oh yeah, yeah, it's huge for Adidas. Yeah, no question there. But you know, I just I, I'm kind of with you. Like I don't care enough to you know have a problem with it. I guess, but you know, it it is it it is just blurring the lines for no reason, really. You know, so yeah, I don't I don't really care for it. Let me ask you this: uh, while we're on kits, I would love to see uh, like a um, a modernized take on like the O five O six. You know, the the dark red with gold. You know, um, how would you, you know feel what? about that? I I loved that kit. I really did love that kit. But there was a very, very specific reason for wearing it. It was the last season at Highbury, and that's why it was worn. So as much as I loved that kit, I don't really want to see it pulled out again. Do you know what I mean? Like, to me, we're red shirts with white sleeves. Yeah. Um, that That's what we are. The one-off thing for leaving Highbury, yes. Um, and like I said, I love that kit, but I don't think I want to see that done again unless you want to do it as a third kit. Okay, yeah, I can see that. That makes sense. Yeah. Plus, you know, I don't, I don't think it would look quite the same um, with Adidas as opposed to Nike because you know they put the three stripes on it somewhere too. I think that could, you know, maybe be a little too much going on. But yeah, I, I get the the uh, sentimental feeling about that. Yeah. Yeah, I just I, like I said, I just think it was a it was a it was a shirt for a moment in time, um, and it was you know like I say it was it was fantastic and I I loved that kit, but I I I don't want to see it coming back for that. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I would like to see the one the trick that I did think they missed was um, doing a anniversary of the Anfield eighty nine kit, and maybe they'll do. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's up for maybe that's up for next year or something. But they, I do think that with with it being you know with um, with eighteen nineteen, I thought they could have brought it back as like the thirty year anniversary kit. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they could do it a thirty five year anniversary kit. But that's the one because that was always one of my favorite kits. That was the first away kit that I had. Oh uh, yeah. 
So that's, you know, that one's always been one of my favourite away kits. So I would like to see them redo that one. Is there any others you want to see them, you'd like to see them rework in the future? Uh, I know it's not, you know, ridiculously Arsenal or anything, but um, I was a really big fan of the, I believe it was the third kit, but I, I liked it a lot. The, um, uh, was it 07, 08, the red and, or the, it's like maroon and navy uh, horizontal stripes yes yes i remember that font. we wore it away in europe i remember wearing it away in europe once but i yep. can't remember what it was but yeah that kit that was a that was actually a pretty that was actually a pretty nice pretty nice alternate alternate kit yeah i really like that one a lot so um you know i don't i don't know if they'll 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 do it but i i like collars too you know i think some of my favorites had collars so i yeah i've always been partial to the to the collars when they're when they're done right i've always yep. been partial to the collars i think they they look good. All right, well, let's move off of kits. Um, it's been a, an oddly busy week for transfer rumours. Um, so we'll we'll take the biggest one first, which is it does seem like it's being reported from some reputable sources that Balogun is not intending to go on loan next season and does not want to come back to even be a backup striker, let alone a third-choice striker. Um He's got a couple of years left on his deal, which means we can still get some good money for him. I think this is probably it, right? This is probably this is probably the season where he moves. Yeah, I think so. And I um But this not... this could also be exactly the right time, right? Like like there's a chance that his value is never gonna be higher than it is right now. Yeah, I mean that that's definitely a, a positive. He's coming off what eighteen goals, I believe, in Liga right now, which is uh you know nothing to to scoff at. Those are pretty good numbers. Um, yeah, and I mean look at look at it this way, right? Do you remember when we turned down twenty five million for Wolves for Ainsley Maitland Niles? Yeah, but how stupid does that look now? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so Wait, I think twenty five. I thought it, I got 15 in my head. It was I, something. It was whatever yeah. it was. It was actual money, which is exactly what we're not going to get this summer. <laughs> You know, he's still here too. We still are going to have to deal with that. Or is he have to loan him, out again. him and Pepe are going to have to be loaned out again for one uh, more year. Yeah. So that's, that's just what it is. But yeah, it looks like Balogun's going to, going to be doing one. Um, the front runners, as far as I've heard, are RB Leipzig. Um, I've heard a fee in the region of 40 million, which is pretty much spot on what we were saying, right? Yeah, and I I hope we get some some solid add-ons, you know, like a sell-on percentage or something like that. Because, look, I I think forty million is is pretty realistic, honestly. But you know, if we were looking at this kid in France that had just come off eighteen goals, they'd be they'd be fleecing us for like sixty, seventy million. And I, you know, I know it's not completely realistic, but I just can't get that out of my head that we would be getting absolutely fleeced if we were looking at this player. Well, this is where it comes into it. Who's going to be looking at him now, right? Yeah. Because there's an absolute disaster of a club that spend a shit ton of money over the other side of London that play in blue that are going to need a striker next year. They ain't got one on the box. So yeah. if they all of a sudden start becoming interested, that price is going to is going to rock it up. So right now we're hearing forty million. I'm hearing Leipzig. But there's going to be a lot of other interest in him. I've heard AC Milan mentioned, mm-hmm. which probably doesn't help us because they've got less money than me, um, and that's not a lot. So that probably doesn't help us much. Um, there are going to be some. There are going to be some big clubs 
that are going to be interested, though. So I, I do expect that fee to maybe rise a little bit. Yeah, I mean, hopefully. But like I said, I mean, if if we got like 40 million and a pretty good sell on or, or something like that, I, I could I could get behind it. I just think this is one that we we should get a little creative with. Um, I do rate him pretty highly, but I don't blame him for not wanting to come back and be on the bench. But I just hope we can we can take as much fiscal advantage as possible out of this situation as well. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And I, I think I do, again, you know, he looks like a good player. But I do think that there is a time that, to sell. And I think over the, with the fact that we were saying, you know, how good a squad we've built up and it's going to be tough to improve on it. That also means that you're going to see a lot of players, particularly young players, that are going to be moved on. And we're going to have to get used to it. And I think Balogun is one that we... And what we don't want to do is make a mess of it like we did for so long. Like you look at a lot of the players that have gone, the prices we've got have been ridiculous. Even people like the Jeff, people like Ismail Benassar. You know, yep. you, you look at all these players that have gone on for basically nothing. Who is the Dutch one? Daniel Malin? Yeah, Malin. So you look at a lot of these players that have gone for basically next to nothing, even even Nabry. Um, and there was a lot of underhand dealing from Bayern going on there because when isn't there? But even Nabry, we didn't get what we should have done. Um, and I'm ready for that to end. And to be quite honest with you, if we get around 40 million for Balogun, I think everybody's got to stand up and applaud. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's true. I mean, when you when you think about uh, what his stock was at, you know, before he took this this Ram loan, um, I mean, it, it's this is going to be uh, it'd be more of a gamble, I think to hold on to him than it would be just to sell at this point. You you know, yes, absolutely. If there is 40 million on the table, it is yep. definitely a bigger gamble to hold than it is to sell. Yep. Agreed. And I know uh, there was, there was uh, a lot of uh, disparage about Willock when we sold him, but uh, you know, that proved to be, to be brilliant. Like you said, if there's a, if there's an offer in hand for, you know, 40 million ish, we, we've, we've got to take this one. I think. We do, and I expect this one to happen, which brings us on to a hypothetical. Let's say Balogun's gone. We've sold him, we've got the 40 million in. Someone else, I don't know, let's, let's say one of the promoted teams whoever comes along and slaps 40 million on the table and says, we'd like you to send us Eddie and Ketia, please. What do you do? Because my, I'll tell you where I'm at with it. I would take it. I would be quite comfortable selling both of them this summer with good fees in return, because I do think we should be able to get a decent fee for Eddie. It's a shame he got injured when he did, but I do think we could get a decent fee for Eddie. And I would be of the mindset where I would say, okay, Eddie is, is what he is. I like Eddie. I've been, a, I've been, I've been a supporter of Eddie, but I do think there is a limit to his game. That means that he's probably never going to really be able to work properly in our system. And I think if you're looking for a change-up man, I would rather see a different type of change-up man off the bench. So I would, if there if there is money on the table for Eddie, I would take that and I would be looking for a different type of striker. Where do you stand? I, I couldn't agree more, honestly. I, um, I like Eddie as well, but um, I don't think... I don't even think he, he challenges to ever be a, um, you know, a first choice here. And I agree with you completely that for a plan B striker, we should go with something that's more different style. Um, I, I would love, I'd love like a, a, a Giroud 
type striker to to have in those situations you know someone that's bigger that can uh you know hit in a well funnily enough there's someone who's flopped at the team that we're playing on sunday that could fit that role in skimacha because someone like it and i'm not saying necessarily it's got to be him but someone in that mold someone who's a bit bigger still got a decent touch with some decent decent movement about him that could be a better option because you've already got Trossard to come in if you want to simulate what Jesus does to some extent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I remember there being some light links to Scamacha before we or before he ended up going to West Ham. Uh, I I wasn't against it. I mean, I think with uh, with someone like that, it would just all be about price. Like we wouldn't want to get ranked over the coals because this is somebody that may not even play. You know, get minutes very often. But yeah, I think um, having a, a a totally different profile of striker as an option is, is really important for us to take the, the next, the next real step, you know? Yeah. And the other link, which seems to have legs again in the forward department is uh Vitor Roque that we've talked about a couple of times. Um, right. The last I heard was that this week, there's been more talks between his agents and us. And apparently Chelsea are the other team that are, uh, that are really, really pushing for this. So of course, and you know, I said, yeah, exactly. Who who aren't they pushing for? But like I said to you before, when we when we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, I don't see Vita Roque coming in and being someone that's going on loan to Norwich like Marquinhos did. I think if he comes in, he's going to be in the squad. He's going to play probably ten games off the bench, something like that. I'm not saying he's going to start. Um, so I think that's an interesting one as well. Um, I think we'd both like to see that one happen, right? It's always in, it's always like when you get these young, exciting players. Um, so I, I'm I'm no expert on this player, but I've I've spent a, a little time looking into him. I, I would be really excited to have him, but um, he seems very much in like the Jesus mold as well. He does, but he's also very young. Um, I think yeah. he's eighteen. Um, and um, the the fee we were we were talking about the fee, and we were saying we didn't have any clue where it was going to be. Um, we'll neither do any of the news outlets. Some some breaking news for you <laughs> because <laughs> some of them are putting it at twenty million euros. I saw thirty million euros. I saw forty million euros. I saw fifty million euros. So um, I think we can safely say that nobody has a Scooby. What the hell is going on with that? Yeah, and I, I'm not surprised, but um, I think uh, getting a player from from like Brazilian Serie A should be no big deal to pretty much any Prem team from a financial outlay. Uh, so I'm not too worried about that. If if uh, Edu and Mikel decide he's the one, you know, I mean, I'm sure we could swing it without eating into our budget too much. Uh, yeah, the the only other forward that we're being linked with, um, the hardest working man in football, is actually is actually Wilfred Zaha's agent. Did you know that? <laughs> he, he's officially the hardest working man in football. Um, we are once again being linked with Wilf Zaha. Um, anyone that does this. I will immediately block you on Twitter and I will never listen to anything you say again. This is utter bollocks, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's several years too late at this point. He's still a good player. Uh, great is he, player. Is he though? Well, is he? Cause I don't uh, think he is. <laughs> well, regardless, I mean, what he'd want in wages and in the age, he just doesn't fit in with our profile at all anymore. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I don't want to see us make deals like this anymore, even if I do think he could contribute a little bit. I think it's just, uh, we're smarter than that now. 
I mean, uh, he could contribute. Someone's got to run the Lucasade bottles to and from the coach. There's oh, sweeping up to be done in the dressing room. There's maybe cleaning the showers. <laughs> he's, hey, he's still got a good dribble on him. He still, you know, is capable of some goals this season and stuff like that. But yeah, I just think that we've moved on from that profile of player. I mean, he um, could fall over in front of Kieran Tierney and break his fall. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, he definitely, he definitely have some uses. All right. He'd have uses. So, right, so moving, moving on with that. Um, the one position where we, where, you know, we've all agreed that we're going to spend big is, uh, is central midfield. And I, I think the question, the question is, uh, is, is it one or is it two? That's, that's going to be the, the biggest question. So we've, you know, and I'm not going to go over Declan Rice and Caicedo again, because we've done them to death. Um, I do think we'll end up with one of them. Uh, I think it's more likely to be Rice, but I do think we'll end up with one of them. And I wouldn't be surprised uh, if there was Bellingham. A, I, I don't think Bellingham's even. <laughs> I don't think Bellingham's even in the conversation as much as I would. I would like him. I, I, I just. I don't see. It. I, to me, to me, he's already got a Real Madrid shirt on. Have you seen the uh, the like Liverpool fans meltdown over this the past like two days? Yeah. I, do you know what? I, they're a fan base that I never really understood. Yeah. Um, but why they ever thought that they were going to get him is is beyond me. I, I'm really shocked too. I, I mean, I've got a, a really good mate who's a Liverpool fan, and he he's like he's like furious. Well, they were convinced. Yeah, we, had, we you know, I just I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, you just said to me about Bellingham, and I know you were half joking, and I, like straight away, I'm like, no, that's that's not going to happen. I I don't get why they thought that that one was a, that is not who they signed. They're going to go and sign someone. They sign people like like Gagpo. Do you know yeah. what I mean? They they sign people. They sign people like Luis Suarez from Ajax. They don't sign Luis Suarez from Liverpool. They sign Luis Suarez from Ajax. Like that's what they do. They're kind of like us with that. Um, you know, we we sign when we sign these big players, it's because they're a little bit broken. That's yep. that's when we get them. You know, we got Alexis because Alexis doesn't sign a second contract at any club. So we got Alexis because he was gonna leave Barca. We got Urzil because obviously they wanted Bow, and there were some flaws in Urzil's Urzil's game. So we end up with that. When we sign these top players, it's players that have that have got something a little bit wrong with them. I mean, Henri was was down was was down and out after a bad year in a bad year in Italy, where you know he needed a little bit of rescuing and he needed some Arsene Wenger magic. So I I don't get why Liverpool was so in meltdown over that one. To be I honest, don't I don't even. So no, I think Rice or Caicedo. I think we'll no. probably get one of them um, for that defensive midfield role. And then um, we've had some interesting links further forward. The Tillemans one has come up again. I think we both said we don't really see that one happening. But a player that does fit the uh, maybe a little bit broken mould is um, Ryan Gravenberch, yeah. who went to Bayern Munich for a lot less than everybody thought last summer. And it's apparently not going great. And I will openly admit I haven't seen anything that Bayern are doing this season um, because I, I haven't watched the Champions League in years for, I don't know why, can't think of a reason why, but I haven't watched it in years. Um, but I'll be watching it all next season. Um, but yeah, it looks like he's leaving. I know Liverpool and, and Man you have been linked to him as well, but you, you're a lot more up on, on Dutch players and Dutch football than me. So Gravenberch, could that be something that could end up being a little bit Martin Erdegaard-esque? So I, I, I do know this player pretty well. Well, not like know him, you know what I mean? I'm familiar with him. Um, 
this one is, is it's it's a really difficult one because there was a time when he was you know uh really special you know was gonna uh come in and, and be huge for you know dutch national team and 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 you know he's one of those players that he uh he kind of you know he he wanted to make the move from the eredivisie i think too soon which is you know a mistake we've seen you know hundreds of times I've I've not really seen him at Bayern, so I can't speak to how much he's changed, if he if at all. But um, he's one of those players that like the upside would be massive, but it'd be you know not very likely. Do you know what I mean to get at, that upside? But at the price, though, at the right price, I should say, not at the price, at the right price. That's the sort of that's the sort of gamble that we take. Yeah, yeah. At the right price, he could be uh, an incredible player. Um, he's he's versatile. He's got a little uh, 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 like Diaby in him. You know what I mean? Like languid, fast, powerful runner. Uh, can play more attacking or kind of in like a double pivot type. Um, it is. It'd be it, like the the player of the profile of the player is is almost exactly what we're looking for. I think. But it would be a, a gamble. It'd be a pretty big gamble. I think it would really just all depend on the the cost, and you know if if we think we can we can make it work. And I think the area that's going to be the least the least talked about, but maybe the most interesting, is what happens at the back, because I don't know at this point how the club are going to view Tommy, because a bit like. Tierney, who I think we agree he's gone, um, but a bit like Tierney, he's not there when you need him. Once again, we've come into the end of the season without him, and this time I know it was a slip. Um, you know, he just overstretched, and but it's happened again, and I just wonder how much they feel we can rely on rely on him now. And even if we can, I honestly don't know what they see him as now. I don't know if they see him as cover for Ben White at right back, which is where you would assume, but not necessarily true. I don't know if they see him as the cover for William Saliba. I don't know if they see him as the cover for Zinchenko. I I just don't know because if you look at that back line, the only there's two players you can point to and say, I know what position that aren't in the team. I know what position they're going to play if they come in. And that's Kivior who's going to come in at left centre-back and Rob Holding at right centre-back, although whether he's first choice as the or second choice, I should say, is another matter. But do you know what I mean? I just I don't know what's going to go on with that backline. Yeah, I don't either. Um, which I know is real insightful. <laughs> but you know, we were. Looking- but it is it is insightful though because it, it tells you that as much as we're all looking forward, I think the biggest change numerically is probably going to be at the back. Well, you know, I found it really interesting. Um, I don't. I, I, now I can't remember off the top of my head how credible the source was, but you remember there was a lot of a lot of stuff saying that we had we got uh, Endika on a we mm-hmm. made a, an agreement with him, and that just kind of died. I haven't heard anything about it. And well, did you see um, Eintracht Frankfurt actually put out a statement? Um, I think it might have been Thursday or Friday, an official club statement saying that Ndika and someone else, I can't remember who the other player was, but they are officially leaving on a free at the end of their contract. Like Eintracht Frankfurt have confirmed that. Okay. So that'll be one to watch. But then at the same time, we were also linked to uh, Fresneda in the fullback position. 
I think we have to do something, whether it's get a fullback and be able to play Tomiyasu or Ben White in the center back if we have to, or get a center back to fill in. But I don't think Tommy is going to leave the club because he's, you know, he is versatile and on, you know, n- nothing. Well, I don't, I don't think he can, right? I don't think he can leave right now. Like, I think Tierney has basically been fit all season this year yeah. because he hasn't had to play. Let's be fair. That's why, because he just hasn't been used. But we're still going to be able to get a decent fee for Kieran Tierney. I, I bet you we get 30 to 35 million for Kieran Tierney, which is yeah. a good fee. So I think Tierney will go. I think Tommy Asu, I don't think you can sell him. I just don't think he's a, a movable asset right now. So I think he has to stay. I think the question is, where is his role within the squad? There's a good chance that Rob Holden is going to stay. Um, that it's by no means certain that he's out the door. And it's where do we see him? Is he the fifth centre-back or is he the backup at right centre-back? We are going to have to get at least one fullback, be it right or left, and at least one centre-back, I think, and probably a new goalkeeper as well, because I don't know if you saw the uh, interview with Matt Turner last week, but he basically said he's he's ready to play now, which is kind of where we thought he would fall at the end of the season. Yeah. <clears throat> now, um, has has uh, Tommy Yasu even featured at centre-back for us? What, maybe once or twice? Only a couple of times, but he, he has played at centre-back, but only in a pinch. Like, he hasn't played there out of choice. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. We'll we'll definitely add another player or two there. And I think just depending on what, what we can do, what we can make happen, uh, will be how we see these guys moving forward. I mean, I think um I think Ben White has kind of solidified himself as the right back. Yeah, agreed. A hundred percent. Ben White's the right back going forward. There's no there's no question about that. The question yeah. for me is do we get someone like Fresnady in um, and, and I think it's going to be very instructive what we do as to how he does see these players. Because if we do get someone like Fresnade in, who clearly will cover the right, then I think Tommy Asu will probably be the prime cover on the left. But then again, you're down to that question of, can we actually rely on him? Can you go into a season with your only cover for Zinchenko, who, let's be fair, has not been an Iron Man himself? Can you go in with your only cover being Zinchenko? Uh, sorry, being um, Tommy Asu, or is it too big a risk knowing that there's a decent chance that when you need him, he's not going to be there? Well, I, I don't even, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with that, but I think it's even bigger than that. I mean, Tommy Asu did a great job uh, at left back in that Liverpool game, the Liverpool home game, right? Neutralized Salah. Uh, I, I thought he had a, a great performance, but if Zinchenko's out for, I don't know, six to eight weeks or whatever. Do you really even want Tomiyasu filling in for him? They're not like analogous at all. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, absolutely. It's, it, it becomes a different, it becomes a different team. But, yeah. I, but, but I mean, we've said it before, Zinchenko isn't a left back. He's a number 10 right. that just starts at left back. So I don't think that there's any opportunity to get, uh, to get a Zinchenko-like replacement for Zinchenko. Like, I yeah. just, I don't think you can do it. It's, it's not going to happen. So the fact is, whoever we get covering for Zinchenko is not going to be Zinchenko. He is very much a one-off. I mean, you know, I always say that Thomas Partey is a unicorn because there's just no one else that does what he does. Zinchenko is, is, is he, Zinchenko's a Pegasus. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like you just, there really is no yeah. one in world football that can do what Zinchenko can do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a really good point, but at the same time, it, it, uh, that worries me because of how important our play is or Zinchenko is to how we play. 
to ant the fact that he does have a little bit of injury prone history that that scares me a little bit and i wish it, we had a, a better uh well, plan b there and there's another wild card to be thrown in here as well though because you've got zinchenko you've got white and you've got tomiyasu but then we've also got rule walters who is yep. who is really highly rated and he's actually very similar to those two. And Rule Waters has actually played left back a lot as a youth player. I think he'll, he's going to be someone we'll, we'll probably heavily assess in preseason. Um, I think and, he's going to be part of the squad next year. I think he'll be a used part of the squad next year, which, again, this is what I'm saying. I think the defence is, is going to be the most... I think the splashy bit is going to be what goes on up front and in midfield. But up front and in midfield... All we're going to be looking at is like for like. We're going to be looking at someone who can come in and do the same job as someone who's coming out. I think yeah. in defence, it's going to be interesting because I don't think you've got those options because, like I said, you can't replace Sinchenko like for like. So yeah. I think it's and and you know and there's a there's a there's a possibility that you can't replace Gabriel like for like. Like I don't know many defenders who can do what Big Gabby can do. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um... You know, I think the the club's taken a, a kind of a cheap gamble on Kivior, but there's no guarantee he's he can work out or even play. You know, do half of what Gabriel can do because, like we've talked about, he he uniquely covers left back and left center back basically. Um, and I, I just it, he's both both our whole left side is really hard to replace when you think about it. Yeah, um, yeah, it's so. it is for sure. No, it's 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 going to be an interesting one anyway. But they're they're the links, so we just. Uh... I just wanted to run through them real quick. So, okay, well, we're about ready to wrap up. So, Juz, we're going to uh, we're going to hit the Who Am I game again, and you can give me your answer because you said it was too easy. So, I'm warning you, my next one's going to be really tough. If you okay. think this one's easy, and you brought it on yourself. So, um, <laughs> who, who am I? I started my career at Hamstead before moving to Arsenal, where I played 216 league games. I then signed for West Ham United, where I played 25 times. After leaving West Ham, I played for Seattle Sounders, Chicago Fire, Celtic. Shimizu S Pulse and the Mumbai City. Who am I? Lundberg. Yeah, Freddie Lundberg, correct. Yep. All right. Well, we will reconvene next week after the West Ham game when hopefully we're uh, talking about another three points. Looking forward to to the Southampton game. And like I said, it's I, I don't think the mood's been bad around the camp. I think there's been some outside forces trying to make it bad around the camp. Since the since the Liverpool game, but I don't think any sensible people are really feeling that way. Um, so let's hope the positivity continues and, and really, really ratchets up a notch. Yeah, I think uh, the the fan base looks more stressed than the players do right now. Um, what well, a fan so, base on Twitter does. Oh yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I, I don't know about the fans fan base as a whole. I think I think in general we've been pretty level headed most of this season enjoying what we're watching without getting too carried away. And I think that's kind of where we all, where we all still are. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. I've seen some, some pretty, pretty uh, uh, high anxiety opinions, but yeah, it is mostly social media. Well, and this is the problem with being in a title race like this though. The, the emotions are all heightened and, and I tell you the worst time, 10 minutes after a game. Yeah. Like, literally turn your phone off just before the final whistle, leave it an hour before you turn it back on. Because the worst takes you're ever going to see are going to be immediately after a game when everyone's high or everybody's low, and it gets when you're when you're in a in a race like this where everything counts, it it really it really gets ratcheted up. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, all right. Well, enjoy the game at the weekend, everybody, um, and we will see you at the start of next week. So uh, it's goodbye from me. Good night.
Good night, everybody.